And yoga, we talk about uh, having this internal fire, fueling it through your practice. And what I, what I learn is that the fire can burn you if you don't learn to harness it with skillful action. What I was doing was irresponsible. It was, it was approaching the practice like way too aggressively. Hello, 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 and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Dharma Talk. I'm your host, Henry Winslow, and this is episode number 60, 60. This week, my guest is Tim Senesi, a yoga teacher and teacher trainer down in Southern California. And it's interesting because I actually make it down there quite a lot. My wife, Veronica, is from Orange County originally. So whenever we go and visit her family, I practice at one of the studios where he teaches. And yet, I actually haven't met Tim before in person. This was an online connection that has now become a voice connection, and I hope soon to become a face-to-face connection. With that being said, let me tell you a little bit about Tim. So apart from teaching at yoga studios down there in Southern California, he also does quite a lot of teaching online, and he's developed a significant following on his YouTube channel. And that's due in part, at least as he says it, due to the lovable accessory figure on that account, which is his dog, Ali, but also, I'm sure, because of his signature style of teaching. He takes concepts and sequences from traditional Ashtanga and Iyengar yoga, but he's put his own flair and adjustments into it for the sake of functionality and longevity of practice. And these are things that he learned on his own body over the course of his many years of practicing. In this conversation, we talk about his story, how he got into yoga, and it's interesting. We talk about how a Chiquita banana spokesperson, of all people, was the one to turn Tim onto the path of yoga. We talk about what Tim learned about tempering the internal fire of asana practice through injury and recovery, and how that lesson has affected his teaching and health. He shares a few functional adjustments to traditional sequences that can make all the difference in the longevity of your practice. And finally, he shares how you can practice with Tim online for free from anywhere. All of that is coming up very soon. Please just stay tuned through these announcements, and we'll dive into my interview with Tim Senesi. Hey, yogis, I've got a few workshops coming up, and I'd love to see you at any or all of them. On June 1st, I'll be leading a backbending workshop at Yoga to the People in Brooklyn. On June 22nd and 23rd, I will be giving a weekend of workshops at Yoga to the People St. Mark's in Manhattan. First one on arm balancing, second one a purification practice with mantra, pranayama, and kriya. In July and August, I'll be helping out with the 300-hour teacher training at Lighthouse Yoga School. For that one, be sure to enter code HENRYWINS on your application to save $100 on the tuition. And then October 25th through October 27th, Veronica and I will be leading a weekend of workshops in Bucerias, Mexico. Please join us for any or all of these events. The details are at henrywins.com events. What's your purpose? What's your vision? What mark will you leave on this planet long after you're gone? 
I'm Henry Winslow, and you're listening to Dharma Talk, the only podcast where I interview inspirational yogis on how they're changing the world in their own unique ways. Whether you're still searching for your purpose or already walking the path, I hope these stories get you excited to live your dharma. Hello, Dharma Talk community, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I have my new friend, Tim Senesi, on the call. Tim is a Yoga Works teacher trainer and has garnered a dedicated following on YouTube for his teaching humor and lovable dog, Ali. His sequences are an intelligent blend of his experience in Iyengar and Ashtanga Yoga, as well as his insight into functional movement and anatomy. His love for yoga shines through each class he teaches. Tim, thank you for taking the time this afternoon to chat with me. How's it going? Thanks so much for having me on, Henry. And uh, hey, everyone, it's going pretty good. Right on. Um, I'm excited to dive into everything that, that you're doing, including hearing about your dog, Ali. But first, <laughs> first, we always start with the same opening question. So I want to lay that one out for you. What does the word Dharma mean to you? And what is your Dharma as you understand it today? Hmm. Um, well, to me, uh, a dharma is is uh, kind of like our right way of living. And yoga talks about right action. Um, in the Bhagavad Gita, it's skillful action. And when I started yoga, I didn't really know how to live right. I was pretty young. I was like 18 years old looking for a path, looking for a way. And that was the first book that I came across. So actually it was the Bhagavad Gita and it lays out a path of life that if you dedicate yourself to, in my experience, not only have I learned a lot, but it's opened me up to a whole different perspective a different way of looking at things and really gave me through the path, uh, a spiritual awakening. And for me that, that was just, that was as simple as just looking at things in a different way. Like it's not like I'm, I'm like on, on Zen cloud all the time, but mm-hmm. so for me, uh, the, a Dharma, the Dharma for me is, is that. And so you said you started practicing when you were 18. How old are you now? How long has that been since you first came across the path of yoga and, and the Bhagavad Gita? 34. Okay. So you've had some, you've had some experience. You put some years under the belt. What, what does it mean to look at things from a different perspective? Is that, um, is that something that has come naturally through your practice of yoga or does that mean actively looking for new perspectives? Talk me through that a little bit. That's a good question. It just, it started to shift just year by year practicing yoga. Um, I, I was at, I was going to school at San Diego state and I was exploring all different types of things and, uh, different religions, uh, different experiences of altering the mind through hallucinogenics. And I was, I was looking for a, a different perspective on reality, basically. Um, th- where I grew up, um, I grew up in Orange County, California, which is like the, like the upper middle class dream 
kind of uh, like to, to live in that area. But what I saw, what I was mainly experiencing was like the disillusion, a dis, disillusionment with that dream was that I was just seeing like everybody deeply unhappy on um, pills, tranquilizers, et cetera. So I was like, this isn't really what I want to do with my life. Like, I don't really want to explore the, the typical American dream. And I want to look to something else. So I started studying psychology. Originally, I was a psych major. I was looking for different experiences. And so the yoga kind of started to teach me, like, I would do yoga. And then, and then I would try one of the things I was like, this philosophy or this um, psychedelic or something. I was like, well, that's, you know, actually, like, just by doing yoga, I feel like uh, I'm accessing states that are more genuine I'm getting open-minded experiences through practicing yoga. And then it would just start to like to alter life decisions like, oh, I don't really want to stay out so late and party. You know, I was in, in college at the time. I don't really want to stay out so late. I'm going to try to go to bed early so I can do my practice. And I feel better when I do my practice early in the morning. And so just like little by little, the, the yoga would start to tweak how I live life and uh, and a big thing was me taking responsibility for my life. Like I think before yoga, I always blamed everyone around me. And uh, I, I really thought like my problems were caused by other people. And then through yoga, I realized like I'm creating my own experience. So anything that I'm struggling with accepting in the world around me is really about me. And if I can change myself, then I'll start to have uh, an experience of serenity and freedom in my daily life. Right, right. So, you know, a lot of people come into yoga for um, more physical reasons. And, you know, everybody's reason for coming and finding mm. yoga is, is different. But yours seems to be something that was more geared toward exploration of the psyche or of the mind. And that's kind of a heavy or perhaps more serious um, endeavor. It's heavy lifting, right? To be able to control the mind in our experience of reality. Now that said, I, you know, when I introduced you, you've kind of come to be known for your sense of humor and, and your, um, your emphasis on longevity and functional movement. So talk me through your process, like how you started where you were and how your practices evolved over time to focus on some of these more physical um, features of the practice. Totally. Yeah. And I kind of went off on that, that tangent about that, but also the yoga for me, it was just as, it was just as important, the physical practice initially as well. Um, I had been, what kind of got me cued into practicing physical yoga, not just reading text, was I was in this psychology class with my freshman year. And I don't know if you ever saw these commercials from when we were kids, but there was this Chiquita banana commercial where there was this guy in like his 80s and he was running and jumping hurdles. And he was like, I'm so healthy because I eat a Chiquita banana every morning. And, um, that guy, the guy from the Chiquita Banana commercials came to my psychology class. It was a psychology of aging, um, how, how to work with elderly people and et cetera. So he came to our class and he was talking all about longevity and, and keeping your mind healthy. And he said, 
that the secret to his longevity was that he exercised, but then every morning he would stretch, he would go upside down and stretch. And he was like, that's the secret. And at that time, I was Wait, trying you're to become, telling me it, it wasn't the banana? It wasn't the eggs. <laughs> yeah, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, I get paid by Chiquita Banana to say that. It's not really the banana. <laughs> He's like, I do eat a banana every day. But uh, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was not the banana. Um, so, yeah, I was like, oh, man, if I could find, I got to find a way to stretch and go upside down. Because I was like already been trying to work out. I've been like going to the gym. Like, I don't know what you do to stay healthy. Like kids from my high school, they had like, the, like weight lift my friends who played football so I, was like, oh, I got a weight lift that's how you get healthy and then uh yeah so I heard this and I was like oh I, I keep seeing this ad at my school gym for a yoga class like if I go to that yoga class they'll for sure make me stretch and go upside down and uh the first class I went to it was a hundred percent girls I was the only guy in there it was like so awkward because all these girls were crushing it and like I thought I was fit because like I, I like I ran, I lifted weights. I was like shaking to hold these poses and like do all, I couldn't get through all the vinyasas. I'm like, how are these girls doing all these vinyasas? I'm dripping, slipping all over my mat. And then at the end of the at the end of the practice, like I was just like, this is something that I got to do all the time. So uh, uh, fast forward, having the type of mentality that I have, like I'm kind of like an all or nothing type of personality like when I get into something I really get into it so with the yoga I like dove into it head first I started reading all the books and like in light on yoga he was like if you practice seriously for five years you could become enlightened I'm like I'm doing it so like for five years like I was like it's going as hard as I can like I'm gonna do every pose in this book I'm gonna learn them all I'm gonna do the sequences he says practice two hours I'm gonna practice three and a half I'm gonna get this down and uh, over time, that type of energy and the repetitive motion is what I found is that I burned my body out. And yoga, we talk about uh, having this internal fire, the um, fueling you through your practice. And uh, when I was when I was practicing Ashtanga yoga, that was, that was like a big part, like do your breath, don't drink any water because it's going to put out the fire. I was like, yeah, I can relate to that. I, I want the fire. And what I, what I learned is that the fire can burn you if you don't learn to harness it with skillful action. What I was doing was irresponsible. It was, it was approaching the practice like way too aggressively. So what I teach now is um, what I had to do is uh, through the, through the experience of becoming injured through the yoga practice, I had, I learned a lot about anatomy and functional movement. And I started studying these modalities and I realized that a lot of the stuff that we do in yoga can set up the body posturally in a way that's going to make it prone to injury. So I started to kind of like tweak the sequences just a little bit. At the same time, I'm like deep, deep, deep appreciation for the roots of yoga. So like, I, I don't want to like disrespect anybody by altering kind of how the sun salutation is. But what I found is that by doing little tweaks, different type of mobility exercises that you can really set yourself up to win. And then for me, um, it, it was... Now there's all types of bodies, but for me, like staying out of the extreme flexibility that my body could go into was the most important thing for keeping myself healthy. You know what I like about that story is that it was the same thing that initially drew you into the practice, this like interest in longevity that mm. caused you to revisit what you were doing. 
and when you talk about the the core sequence or the traditional sequence that you're tweaking on, are, are you referring to like the Ashtanga uh, sequences? Yeah, I would say like because I'm a vinyasa yoga teacher in my group classes, my YouTube videos are they're not like strictly vinyasa. There's all kinds of different stuff, but yeah, like I would say like the 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 typical Surya Namaskar A and B. So can you give an example of one of the ways, I know it's it's not quite the same without the video component, but um, in spoken word, can you explain maybe one of these sorts of tweaks that you make to bring in some of that functional range of motion? Totally. So I was, I, I dedicated like probably three, four years to practicing Ashtanga yoga every morning, doing Mysore and uh I was really into it. But what I started to notice was that a lot of my peers and fellow teachers were completely closing their chest um, because of pushing through the, um, the vinyasas. So like, um, are you a, a strong yoga teacher? Not, um, not traditionally, but not I've traditional. practiced, I, yeah, I've practiced quite okay. a bit of Ashtanga and I'm familiar. Okay, I saw your mat set up on the videos, and I was like, I feel like this guy might be leaning a stronger a little bit. Uh, <laughs> there's so, anyways, what was that? There's a lean. There's, yeah, there's a lean. Yeah, I love it too. I mean, that's and that's why when I talk about like the typical, and I don't want to disrespect it because I love that practice for so much, and I love the anger yoga so much. So, like, I don't want to disrespect the those uh, traditions at all. But uh, basically, what I noticed is that a lot of people were ending up with rounded shoulders, closed chests, and uh, developing forward head carriage stiff upper backs and necks. And I was like, yoga is supposed to make you healthy. This is not health. Like we're closing the heart. And one of my first teachers was all about like opening the heart. She's like, this is the secret to life. Like people need to open their hearts in this day and age, all the time spent hunched over computers, steering wheels, everybody's heart is closed. We need to learn to open it in the practice. And it's not to say that you can't do it using Ashtanga yoga. Like Richard Freeman is one of my favorite teachers he's all about that and uh but anyways to answer your question the way that i tweak it is i learned that you kind of had to develop the scapular strength so that the muscles that activate your shoulder blades were generally turned off in most people and then i noticed that like most people couldn't even do a chaturanga like if you if you ask them to be able to keep their scapula in position keep their spine in neutral and then lower to elbow height it was a fail on like 90% of my yoga students, yoga teachers, anybody. No one had this ability to be able to keep their chest open and a long spine and activated core. So I was like, well, how do we get that? And I realized that there were certain prone exercises that you can do with bands. That's really like the best way to do it, but sticking with not using any um, outside props. Sometimes in my yoga videos, I do use props like that to help to strengthen these muscles. But the most concrete way is to do Shalabhasana variations at the beginning. Like mm -hmm. uh, you hold your arms at like a 90 degree angle, like a goalpost position. And then you work on firing the external rotators and just hovering yourself like one inch above the floor. So what this does is it turns on the paraspinals, which mostly in everybody, paraspinals are turned off throughout the day. Those are the uh, muscles that go up your spine, the erector spinae that surround the spine. So it starts to activate those muscles. You activate your legs and your glutes. And then the little muscles in the back of the armpit, there's three little muscles right there 
that will help to turn the shoulder back in position versus the internal rotators, which we all tend to strengthen when we do chaturanga and up dog because we let the shoulders migrate forward and up. Um, so what happens is those internal rotators take over, which is like in your pecs, and they start to pull the shoulder forward and down. So by doing these little shalabhasana variations that I'll do at the beginning, and I won't do, I'll, I'll avoid chaturanga and up dog. So the sequence will be like, lay on your belly, stretch your arms forward, rotate your arms externally, bend the elbows out to the side, lift the hands up as you stay hovering, engaging your core, then stretch the arms back, expand your chest, um, and then feel the muscles in the back turn on. And I'll do the, I'll like run through that repetitively a few times just to get those muscles firing. Right. Cool. Yeah. That makes total sense. And, and I'm with you, you know, um, I love the Ashtanga, uh, tradition very much, but my biggest criticism with it is if you're, if you're like 90% of the people who are doing it, you're just practicing the primary series and then you're doing a million forward folds and then you get those three wheels at the end, which are just mm. brutal after you right. warm, warmed up the spine. <laughs> um, but my background actually is before I ever even, um, encountered Ashtanga at all. I, I did a lot of Bikram yoga, which oh, has really? tons of backward bending, which is, you know, everybody you see who practices Bikram yoga has got like very defined director's spine. So it's interesting, mm. you know, we bring in different backgrounds, but I, I appreciate what you're saying a lot. And I think it's very useful to pull in postures from the intermediate series and, and give them to, to new students, despite the blasphemy that the folks in Mysore would say about that. For sure. Um, so let's talk about your YouTube channel. Um, first of all, how do people check that out? And second of all, what, what can they expect on there? Yeah, so uh, the, on the YouTube channel, if you just uh, go onto Google or onto YouTube and you type in Yoga with Tim, it'll pop up. Um, I've been at this new channel for about a year now. Um, I had, I had been doing another channel for four years and I started this new channel and, um, kind of like made a little direction change with, um, this new channel. And so what, what I'm all about is having so many years teaching Iyengar yoga is that, uh, I, I try to introduce foundational aspects, then build on them and then try to encourage people to integrate those within more advanced postures. So um, one thing that, that, I, that I'm pretty stoked on is this 30-day challenge that I made for New Year. And it's 30, 30 minutes a day, uh, sometimes 40 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes a day for 30 days. And it's a great way, if you don't have a steady yoga practice, to start to commit because it's just like I could do 30 or 40 minutes like that's fine I could do that I can't get to class for an hour and a half every day but I could do that before I go to bed or before I go to work so that's what I wanted to give people just because really like for me the yoga practice um, took root and became transformative when it became a daily practice like anything that I just did like nilly-willy like here and there like when people are like oh I've been doing yoga for 10 years I'm like, well, like, and then I see the practice. I'm like, have you really been doing it for 10 years? I've been doing it like once a month for 10 years. So that's kind of like, not to judge, but uh, um, that's kind of like, I found that the, the yoga practice when it's regular is when it really became powerful, not just for my body, but, um, but the, the level of mental 
focus, calm, and serenity that it gave me. Totally. I, I agree with you 100% about the importance of consistency and cultivating a practice. And I think what you did is, I think that's a great idea. I hope that people take you up on that in the, in the Dharma Talk community. Uh, how do they get there and, and take that? Is it just straight up through your YouTube channel? You know what? I think right when you go to, to Yoga with Tim, like the very first video that pops up is an advertisement for it. Um, and then you can just, uh, click that link and there's a link in there to start the challenge. Another great way to do it though. Um, if, if you get confused and you're like, I don't want to be missing any videos. If you go to timsenesiyoga.com, there's an opt-in to just sign up for it. And then what I'll do is I'll just email the videos to you. I won't actually, but it's on like a, yeah. a drip. You'll get them, you'll get them every morning. Um, and, uh, with like a little like letter of encouragement or explanation about what we're doing. Cause sometimes I found like, I don't know about you, but I would take these workshops sometimes, especially taking from alignment teachers and anger yoga. And they would be like, turn your outer hip this way, spin your thigh this way. And I'd be like, okay, I don't know why we're doing this, but I'll do it. So like for like the first few years, it was like, I felt like my introduction into alignment was just like a weird acid trip of like not understanding what was going on, but being like, okay, like crazy things are happening in my yoga practice. I'll just go with it. So I explain, I try to give people a little insight into like, so this is why you externally rotate your upper arm. This is how you do it. This is why it's important is prevent injury. And so, so I, I give like a little bit of explanation in the email. So really, I hope that through the 30 day challenge, it, encourages people to own their practice and to understand why they're doing what they're doing. And then even to, to be able to um, be comfortable making tweaks and adjustments to their practice, because then they understand like, Oh, this is how my body works. I can, or I can't find these actions and I, I need to modify or adapt. Yeah. That, I mean, that's really the next level yoga practitioner, the one who understands to a, uh, a deep enough extent why they're taking certain actions, physical actions or energetic actions in the body that they can be smart enough to, to make a personalized choice about it. So yeah, great point on that. Um, so that's at timsenesiyoga.com and they can sign in to get the 30 day challenge emailed directly to them. That's right. Cool. So back to the point about consistency, you know, you said that was when you started to develop a consistent daily practice, that is when you started to see the real benefit come to life in your own experience, physically, mentally, um, and, and, and spiritually, if you're talking about serenity in that way. What was, the, what was your biggest challenge in, in stepping into that consistency? Hmm. So I realize a lot of people have difficulty making it a daily thing. For me, it wasn't so difficult because I, I mentioned that I had that personality where I'm like, so hundred percent or nothing. Fair enough. Um, what became difficult. So for the people who, who have that difficulty, I don't know what to tell you. I, I but uh, um, 30 minutes a day. That's easy. That's why I made that. But for people like me who tend to be gung ho, my problems started to become working through injury because then I would be so gung-ho that I would like tweak myself and uh, so for those people 
that, that end up with that situation. Um, for the people who have like the fire going so much, then um, I would really encourage you to check out the channel and, and see the way that I teach now and the way that I practice now because it's, uh, it, it, takes, it takes like the whole body into consideration, the whole body, mind, spirit thing as you, as you mentioned and, uh, and tries to create a more, more even keel. And then so, yeah, I guess I would say for, for people difficult, uh, having difficulty with the consistency is to just do what you can do and don't, don't try to be pedal to the metal 100% right out of the gates. Like be moderate, find something that works for you. If it's just 10 minutes a day, make it happen for 10 minutes a day. That's great advice. Yeah, just... I, and I always I would echo that and just phrase it this way: It's more important to be consistent than it is to be deep. And you can take that mm. from like a microscopic view to a macroscopic view in the poses and also in like your overall practice. Mm. And it's really kind of tr of a of a trick. Like uh, I studied with a teacher named Anna Deluri in Studio City. She is like she's a wizard, and she is. Um, she would take on all these therapeutic cases from the LA yoga community. Like if a teacher ended up with someone that is like, I have no idea what to do this for, for this person's hip. You have to send them to Anna. It was like the running joke in LA, like just send them an to Anna if you don't know what to do. So she'd end up with all these people where like the teacher stumped. And so anyways, like what she would do with, with um, people who are new or people who didn't have like the daily practice, she'd be like, she would just trick them into it. Like, okay, yeah, can you just, for, for me to work with you, you have to be able to do this for 15 minutes a day. Can you do it for 15 minutes a day? And then, like, I was like, well, why do you tell them just 15 minutes a day? They really should be doing a little bit. And she's like, because, like, if they get in their body for a little bit each day, like, they're going to start to feel good and then want to do a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And, like, I found that that was the trick. Even if, like, there's a day where I'm like, oh, God, I really don't want to practice today. Like, I just... I just want to chill. Well, if I just tell myself, like, I'm just going to do 20 minutes, like start off on the floor, start off kind of mellow. And then like 20 minutes into it, I'm like, I feel really good. I'm going to do 20 more minutes. No problem. Yeah. So that's kind of like, if you can just take that time to get into your body, you'll start to, to feel like to feel better and to make more time for the practice. The practice makes more time for itself. The more that you start to integrate it. Mm -hmm. And and then you start quitting all of your worldly responsibilities and you go deep <laughs> into the hole. No, no, but seriously, it's, it's so true. Like you just have to get started and, um, and there's a mind shift that happens there too, because if, if you're a teacher, you know, like you or, or this woman, like recommending to a student to do 15 minutes when they make the switch over to doing the extra bit, no longer do they feel like they're following orders or like, um, heating some sort of uh, obligation, like they made the mm. choice and that's powerful. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. So what is, um, what's one exciting thing coming up on your horizon that you're looking forward to, um, that you can share with us? Um, like teaching wise, Sh potentially, 
Yeah, uh. <laughs> anything that you feel like sharing. Uh, I know that you, you know, you're involved in the Yoga Works teacher trainings, and we haven't even spoken about your dog yet, which I'm sure people want to know about. But and, and <laughs> anything coming up that you're excited about? Uh, so let's see. Um, what do we got going on? I'm I'm going to be teaching at the Mammoth Yoga Festival, which is happening June. 13th to the 16th. I'm pretty excited about that because I've never, I do not like going to very cold places and I've been to Mammoth in the dead of winter. So I'm kind of excited about going there and teaching there. And where is that? I've been, uh, it's in Mammoth, California. Okay. And it's like, it's a whole weekend. And some of my friends from LA will be teaching there who are really good teachers as well. And, uh, oh, and Alex Crow is going to be there. I like her. Um, so yeah, there's going to be a lot of great teachers, good workshops all weekend. So pretty excited to be a part of that. And uh, have you ever taught uh, at a festival before? Yeah, I taught at a, a local festival here in in Big Bear in California. Mm-hmm. Have I, you ever taught at a festival before? Um, only like a a smaller sort of studio run like weekend of, of visiting teacher workshops that are everybody's coming together. But um, what, what oh, is yeah. that like? You know, what, what's the, what's the vibe there compared to your usual um, teaching engagement? Yeah, I don't That's a good question. I'm not really like a festival person per se. Like uh, one of the funny things about like going to Iyengar yoga gatherings is like everyone tends to be like more inward. So it's like, the most awkward gatherings are just like, oh, I, all I do is yoga. I don't know how to talk to people. But <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, with the yoga festival, I kind of uh, shied away. But this one seems cool because there's like, it's, it's uh, Mammoth, California is really beautiful. There's like lots of hiking and actually there still will be snow there. So um, I think people could ski. They, they stay open, I think, uh, all the way through June. People can ski or snowboard. Um, I don't know what else you do at a yoga festival, like uh, partner yoga, probably acro yoga. The people like that kind of stuff probably mm-hmm. going on there. Face painting, I'm sure. Uh, the 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 yoga tattoos, people be getting those, all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, they'll be getting no, decked, just... decked out with own symbols left and right. I'm sure. sure. <laughs> all all over the place, <laughs> for sure. Um, no, but it, it like uh, one of the things that this will be a good experience for me because I'll get to see what the, what the vibe is, but being around uh, like-minded people and immersing yourself in yoga for a little bit, I'm sure that you've had experience with that. That's been pretty powerful practice for me. Like um, the first retreat that I went on with my yoga teacher was like each day I felt like I'd wake up in the morning and like, I was like, I feel like I'm a completely different person. Like, from what I've learned yesterday and like this, you feel like it just keeps, you keep going down the rabbit hole when you're like dedicating that much, when you can really focus on practicing uh, yoga like that. So that is actually why I, I got really into teaching yoga retreats because it was such a transformational experience for me going on my teacher's yoga retreats. So um, I usually teach like three or four yoga retreats a year. And I found that, that, people have similar experiences and then the people who come on my yoga retreats like end up coming to multiple 
And uh, so then the, the next, so I, uh, I hope that the festival will be that a similar experience. I think it will um, when you're around people supporting you and the, the vibe's good like that. But then I have a yoga retreat coming up. I just did one in Byron Bay in Australia and I have one coming up in Portugal that I'm really excited for because I went to Portugal like 10 years ago. It was pretty rad. And uh, I think there's a cool yoga scene out there. So um, Portugal is going to be happening in September and we're actually finalizing it right now. I'll be posting it on my website. Very cool. What part of Portugal? Um, in Southern Portugal. Uh, have you been there before? I haven't, but um, uh, several of my friends just went out to Portugal to help set up a new retreat center there. Just called, oh, no way. Called Cocoon. Cocoon. Yeah. Oh, that sounds cool. I'll check it out. Yeah. The the one that I'm checking out is uh it's kind of near the it's near the ocean in a pretty spot. I think it's called Noah Surf House. And uh yeah, most of the places that I go, they they have a lean leaning towards surfing as well. You can surf, take surf lessons and do yoga. So um that's a part of my experience in yoga is that uh I've also found that having a um getting cardiovascular exercise was important for, for my overall health as well. So like there are periods of time where I do hiking with my, in addition to yoga, but surfing has been a practice for me that is really nice. I live in Southern California and it's a great way to be in nature. Like any type of exercise where I get to be in nature for me is, is really grounding and centering. So um, I like to go places that have surfing where people can kind of get that, same connection to nature in addition to having the yoga practice i found it pretty helpful yeah that's that's nice um as as beneficial and knowledge filled as an immersion in yoga can be the challenge that comes the flip side of that is like how do you be sure to integrate it how do you make sure that you're integrating what you learn into your everyday life afterward and I feel that, mm. you know, if you are on a retreat that you get to do something else with with your time, like surfing or hiking or just spending time with with good people and good impressions and good food, like that's all right on on the right track. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. Tim, apart from getting your message out on the podcast, what are you doing today to live your dharma? a good question i mean the the first thing that comes to mind is a kind of cliche but just trying to stay present not a uh, future trip or past trip uh for me is an important practice but in addition to that um i've really taken up uh, studying pranayama again. It was uh, it was a practice like during the five years of in intense Iyengar yoga practice. I was really into practicing pranayama for at least a half an hour a day, and uh, as a separate practice to just the physical postures, um, the pranayama for me was kind of like peeling the next layer of the onion in the yoga practice and, and getting a little deeper. Um, and, and there's a lot of like 
new pranayama teachers have become like like the Wim Hof thing is just taken off. People are like Wim Hof crazy now. Like, let's hyperventilate and get ice cold, and they're all about it because people are realizing how profound the uh, the pranayama practice can be. So for for me, it's it's uh, it's more subtle and it's more about connecting to the range of life experience and then staying balanced through it all. And that's like a more Hatha yoga pranayama uh, has been my experience. Like whenever I learned pranayama from Iyengar yoga teachers or Ashtanga yoga teachers, it was more about like learning to extend the breath um, and then stay calm through it. Keep a, a tranquil state throughout, not let the highs get too high and the lows get too low. Mm. And uh, it, so then it's just like a beautiful metaphor for living. Like when you're faced with the adversity of normal day to day, like, yeah, when you're on your mat in the yoga room and everything's quiet and nobody's invading your private space, it's easy to be serene. Like, or in my, in my own room practicing yoga, it's easy to be serene. But what happens as soon as I walk out and like the family needs something or you know, my boss hits me with this or, you know, this bill is due, like, how am I going to react to that? So, uh, it's, it's really about, it's really about that for me instead of, instead of just what I can do on the mat. Yeah. That's, that's funny. The point you made about the Wim Hof and like, it's, it's so true. You know, our, our Western tendency is just to find the most extreme version of everything and, and lean into right. that. Um, but that's a so, or like with the uh, with the butter in your coffee thing is like like yeah. butter's so bad for you. Oh wait, actually, let's freaking put spoonfuls in our coffee. I'm yeah. not knocking it. Like yeah, it's fine. But yeah, we are very extreme Western culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a that's a beautiful message that you left us with on on the equanimity and how we can use the practice to just just be kind of like be composed be composed and not necessarily need to ride the waves of highs and lows and, and emphasize them, but just try to bring it back to baseline. Mm. So I think I like the way you said it better. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> just, I'm just, uh, you gave me the assist. <laughs> um, I think now is the perfect time to move into our final section of the interview. This is going to be, uh, a, a lightning round. I call it the prana round. And okay. I'm going to ask you six rapid fire questions and ask Ooh, you to answer. Okay. Yeah. Minimum one word answer, maximum one sentence answer. Okay. Let's, let's do it. All right. In one word, why do you practice yoga? Serenity. What is your favorite yoga pose and why? Oh, geez. That's a tough one. I know it's hard. Side angle, hip opening. The, like the side angle from Ashtanga Primary Series? Yeah, like uh, Utita Parsvakanasan. Yeah. I like it because it opens my hip for all the other stuff. In nice. The, yeah. Cool. What's the single best cue or piece of advice that you've ever received from a yoga teacher? Hmm. Oh, geez, it's going to be the most cliche, but I'm, <laughs> now that I'm back on it, um, I open your chest. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Recommend one book, either modern or ancient, for our audience. I know that you mentioned late on yoga already. 
Yeah, I think that's a pretty good one. I'm going to stick with that one. Okay, Light on Yoga by Angar. Is yoga for everyone? Yeah. Last question. How can our audience get in touch with you and how can we support you in your dharma? Uh, I'm, on, I'm on the Instagram, Tim Sinesi Yoga. On the Instagram, on YouTube, Yoga with Tim. Um, hit me up there. If you have any direct questions, you can message me on the Instagram. I always get back at people there. And was there another question? And how can we support no. you and your dharma? Oh, uh, yeah, watch some videos. That'd be helpful. Sweet. <laughs> I'd, lo I'd love to see. I'd love to, and if you like them, let me know. And if you have feedback, I always loved hearing, hearing from yogis who are on the path and dedicated. Uh, if you have feedback, let me know in the comments because I always read those on the videos and it helps me to shape the way that I make the YouTube channel. Right on. Tim, thank you so much for coming on Dharma Talk today. It was fun hearing your story and, and chatting about everything that makes up your practice. So I appreciate you and let's let's continue this conversation sometime down the road. I love that. Thanks, Henry. I really appreciate it. Hey, Dharma Talk community. If you enjoyed this podcast and you haven't done so already, please hit the subscribe button right now. And if you'd like to show your support even more, Leave me an honest review on iTunes or whatever podcast directory you listen on. You can also make a financial contribution to keep the show up and running, a donation at henrywins.com. And remember, I'm here to serve you. So if you have any questions or comments or ideas, you can always reach me on Instagram at henrywins. Otherwise, I'll speak to you next week. Keep living your dharma.